Chapter Thirteen of the Fate of Fenella. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Natalie Paula. The Fate of Fenella, Chapter Thirteen, by Mrs. Edward Kennard. The scars remained. When Lord Francis Onslow listened to Doctor Fairfax's advice. He resolved to act upon it without loss of time, especially as he sadly realized that in the present condition of affairs he could do nothing to expedite his wife's recovery. The issue lay in God's hands. He felt this keenly, chafing at his helplessness. During the many hours spent in the chamber of the sick woman, he reviewed his past life with bitter repentance. Little by little he distinctly perceived of how unworthy had been his own conduct, and how much he was to blame for the terrible occurrences which had recently taken place. When he recalled Fenella as she was when they were first married, he found it impossible to hold himself guiltless. However wayward and childish she might have been, in those days no one could doubt her purity and innocence. Moreover, she loved him, and a man does not lose a woman's love without some cause. Now she lay stained and crushed upon a bed of pain, like a white lily stricken to earth. Her name was in all men's mouths. The spotlessness of her reputation had departed, never to return. She might have been a happy wife and mother, and now what was she? A creature shunned by her kind, fallen from her pedestal and blackened by crime. Ah, it was pitiful to think of. Still more pitiful to trace the folly, vanity, and wrongdoing which had brought about such a result. Why could they not have rested content with one another's love? What a fevered, unnatural existence theirs had been of late years. He smiled a wan smile as it occurred to him that their histories contained an unwanted amount of sensation and melodrama. Their experiences would form a strange narrative. Once, long ago, Fenella had loved him truly and well. Of that he felt morally certain. If he had only exercised a little patience with his beautiful child-wife, and sought to correct her errors by example rather than by preaching and criticism, how differently things might have turned out. She was young. Her faults were chiefly those of youth and ignorance, combined with the natural craving for admiration of a pretty woman. But there was no harm in her, then. She might have been guided. A girl in her teens is made of plastic material. Her character is not firmly set as a rule, either for good or evil. It was in his power to have influenced her and to have developed the finer side of her nature but instead of this what had he done in lieu of recognizing the responsibility which he had assumed by taking the life of another into his keeping he had sought to justify his own shortcomings by exaggerating hers and imitating them if she flirted he flirted if she were foolish he was doubly so was that the way for the head of the family to behave when her coquetries irritated him he looked for consolation elsewhere and eventually allowed himself to fall completely under the spell of a middle-aged woman, remarkable rather for her beauty than her virtue. And then, when Fenella resented his conduct, and in forcible language pointed out that the marriage ceremony should be as binding for the husband as the wife, what reply did he make? He answered in all the false, unjust voice of the world, No, you labor under a very great mistake in upbraiding me, and have no ground whatever to stand on society has decreed that a man may do as he likes be as unfaithful with certain limits as he pleases but you are totally different a woman cannot go out of bounds without getting the worst of it therefore once for all you had better recognize your position he could see the blood rush to her cheek but this is monstrous no matter what society has decreed may i ask frank if such is a law by which you intend to shape your conduct in the future 
with shame he remembered his answer yes fenella right or wrong it is the law of every man of the world and from that day they had become more and more estranged until at last their unhappiness reached a culminating pitch and by mutual decision they determined to separate but had they been happier apart than together he for one could answer that question in the negative in the midst of the wildest dissipation the gayest scene his heart had ached and ever in his memory there dwelt the recollection of loving words and looks which no effort on his part could banish looking back on the past he saw that he was even more to blame than she there had been faults on both sides but mainly on his as he sank to his knees by fenella's bedside he admitted the fact freely and without reserve and thus kneeling a flood of tenderness and remorse swept over his spirit and he who had not prayed for years and was in the habit of denying the existence of a deity bowed down his head humbly meekly like a little child and prayed o oh, good god he cried be merciful spare her to me if only that i may atone for all my past errors by a life of devotion we have stood on the brink of a precipice almost she and i have fallen into the bottomless pit for in our blindness we turned our backs upon thee but now o oh, great all-father strengthen us and counsel us in this our sore necessity he arose from his knees sobered but calm and then he stooped kissed fenella's burning brow and went forth to seek his son the little innocent boy with the curly head and clear eyes the very thought of whom made his heart grow big there were seasons in the lives of all of us when the best of which we are capable rises to the surface when the resolutions which we make for the future are not based on an insecure and worthless foundation but on a fixed and permanent one such a time had come to lord francis he left guernsey a chastened but a better man determined henceforth to lead a new and purer life the journey seemed interminable the tedious hours dragged on and steam and machinery were unable to convey him fast enough to his destination at last he reached felixstowe and hurried to mrs grandison's residence philip grandison was related to the onslow family lord francis had seen a great deal of his wife before his marriage and they called each other by their christian names helen he cried as mrs grandison taken aback by his unexpected visit and haggard appearance stared at him as an apparition where's ronnie i want to see ronnie bring him to me at once fenella murmured in her delirium that he was with you have you not sailed you and the lady francis have not started then for brazil after all she asked in bewilderment no he answered impatiently i haven't the least idea what you're talking about there never was any question of our going to brazil fenella is lying at death's door and i have come to fetch ronnie away but frank ronnie has gone you yourself sent for him surely you must remember having done so i sent to fetch ronnie helen have you taken leave of your senses he gripped her hard by the wrist don't frank shaking him off and fearing for his reason she looked into his wild eyes you hurt me i sent no one to take ronnie away he said with increasing excitement do you mean to say that the child is not here no ronnie left us several days ago i made sure that you knew lord francis staggered the intelligence fairly prostrated him for a moment or two he could not speak then in a hoarse voice he said of course you know where the boy has gone helen you can tell me where to find him it is of the utmost importance that i should take him back to guernsey with me at once his mother's life may depend upon ronnie's presence mrs grandison's countenance assumed an expression of sore perplexity she felt that lord francis held her responsible for his son unfortunately she said i have not the least idea where he has gone 
the other day a lady came here a lady he interrupted eagerly what kind of a one describe her personal appearance it may give me a clue she was not exactly a young woman frank nevertheless she was very beautiful in a southern majestic style her eyes and hair were almost coal-black and she spoke with a foreign accent in short she looked like an italian or a spaniard the wretched man groaned aloud too well he knew who his boy's abductor was and his conscience told him that lucille de vigny's conduct was actuated by motives of revenge she resented his desertion and took this means of telling him so he tottered to a chair and sinking down on it hid his face in his hands were the consequences of his impudence ever to pursue him oh it was horrible horrible frank said mrs grandison gazing at him in alarm do you know the lady is she an acquaintance of yours he shuddered for my sins yes would to god she were not i have to thank madame de vigny from all my misery if i had never set eyes on that woman fenella and i might have been living happily together at this moment it was she who came between us curse her madame de vigny exclaimed helen with a red flush mantling her cheek oh frank if only i had known nothing on earth would have induced me to give ronnie up to her charge poor dear little ronnie why she is an odious woman an abominable woman i quite agree he said moodily but abuse cannot alter the fact of her having stolen my boy i can't think though how you let him go she came here frank continued mrs grandison in self-defence and some instinct warned me against her i refused at first to accede to her request but she was so urgent that at last i believed she was really empowered by you to take ronnie away see here is your card and so saying helen turned to the mantelpiece and showed frank his card he looked at it then snatched up his hat and prepared to leave this is a bad business he said tremulously a very bad business indeed i would not have had it happen for a year's income but perhaps you can tell me where madame de vigny is to be found alas no she left no address and i haven't the faintest notion where she resides but stay putting her hand up to her forehead if i remember rightly madame de vigny did hint at travelling abroad and taking a long journey why frank how impetuous you are as her visitor opened the door where are you going going he replied his face all working with emotion i am going straight to london to engage a detective to hunt out madame de vigny's whereabouts and after that i intend returning to guernsey fenella is lying dangerously ill of brain fever we do not know what turn her illness may take the doctor thought that the sight of ronnie might do her good but now now breaking down suddenly i must go back alone so help me god and without wishing mrs grandison good-bye he rushed downstairs helen looked after his retreating form with the tears springing into her eyes poor frank she sighed how he loves fenella and yet she has completely spoiled his life he was such a bright nice boy once upon a time it quite makes one heart ache to see him as he is now End of chapter 13